Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Simeon lived with increased anticipation of the Lord's soon arrival. And there were others there at that time, even in the mess that the world was at that time, even in the mess that organized religion was at that time, even living under the oppression of the corrupt government of that time. They lived their lives in an anticipation that the Lord would soon fulfill His promise, His promise of redemption his promise of deliverance. Simeon wasn't alone. We know that there were more people who lived with great anticipation for their coming Messiah. While the details remain largely unknown, we see the presence of a prophetess named Anna who lived with the same kind of anticipation. As Pastor David shares her blessed legacy, we see the way God uses the later years of her life to proclaim the birth of Jesus, our Messiah. In the same way, we should look with great anticipation for the coming of the Lord for us in our generation. Now, here's Pastor David with the second part of his message entitled, Anticipation. Now, Leviticus chapter 12, you don't need to turn there now, but it's interesting to look at. In Leviticus chapter 12, the first several verses speaks to us and gives us the process of these things. On the eighth day after the birth of a male child, he's to be circumcised. And then for the next 33 days, the mother remains ceremonially unclean for a total of 40 days. She shall not touch any hallowed thing, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purification are fulfilled, is what Leviticus speaks to us. Now, don't shoot me, okay? Don't speak bad about me. I'm just the messenger. But you need to understand that here, the mother remains unclean for 40 days. If that child happened to be a girl, guess what? You just double that figure. So ladies, the mothers would remain ceremonially unclean for 80 days, not just the 40. So right here, according to God's word, we find out that girls are twice the trouble that boys are, okay? That, I mean, I, that's just what the word says, okay? So, well, anyway, I better move on. <laughs> Mary's time of purification was now complete. Her 40 days had gone by. And so now they head to the temple to do two primary things. One was uh, to present Jesus in much the same way that Hannah presented Samuel in dedication to the Lord. But it was because also that he was the firstborn son. The law said that the firstborn son would be dedicated to the Lord. So that was going on with Christ. But the second thing is, is they came to present this offering 
for Mary's purification, for her atonement. And in reference to Mary's offering, it's interesting that Luke is very precise in how he presents it. He says that she is going to present, uh, according to the law, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Why, Why would it be important to list out that her offering was two turtle doves or a pigeon? Well, according to the passage that we found in Leviticus, the primary sacrifice was to bring a lamb of the first year as a burnt offering and also a young pigeon or a turtle dove as a sin offering. However, there's also the option that's found in Leviticus that if she's not able to bring a lamb, in other words, if the economy or the finances of the family didn't uh, allow for a lamb, then she could bring two turtle doves or two pigeons, one as a burnt offering, the other as a sin offering, for the priest to make atonement for her. I believe that Luke pointed this out to help us to understand once again that humble presence, that humble beginning of our Lord. Another thing you need to bear in mind here in the mix of all these things, in the story of the nativity, the timing of Luke, the timing of Matthew. They're going now into Jerusalem. Jesus, uh, again, has been circumcised. They've now waited 40 days. They're going into Jerusalem to the temple. That means that the magi, the wise men, have not come yet. You realize that, that up to this point, the magi, the the wise men of Matthew have not come yet. Otherwise, two things would have happened. Joseph, Mary, and the child would be down in Egypt if they had come by that time. And number two, they definitely would not have traveled into the temple area, into Jerusalem. And oh yeah, one other thing. They wouldn't have been able to afford a lamb. Remember, if the Magi came, gave them gifts of gold, they could have easily bought a lamb. And again, with the devoutness and the holiness of both Joseph and Mary, they would have wanted to give the best that they could, again, for this offering. They didn't have that, the humble beginnings of our Lord. And so they bring the turtle doves, they bring the, or two young pigeons, As they go there, you need to understand that as they came into the temple that day, God was already at work in the hearts of two people in particular who lived their lives with this increasing anticipation. The first was a man by the name of Simeon. So now they're coming into the temple. Verse 25, we pick it back up. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was with him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. There's a lot of speculation about who Simeon is. Some say he could have been a priest or a rabbi. I don't believe that he's a priest. Uh, We'll look at that in a moment. There's a few things that we do know for sure according to the scripture. Number one, he was a man who was just and devout. As messed up as the religion of his day was, as messed up as Judaism was at that time, as offensive as it was to the eyes and to the heart of God, there were still people within the structure of Judaism who still loved God and were just and devout. Simeon was one of those, and I believe one of many, but again, the system itself had become corrupt. Let me bring you a little sidebar real quickly. It saddens me whenever I hear of people who are professing Christians 
who because of some hurt or pain or because of some abuse that they've received, either real or perceived, some abuse that they've received at the church, they decide that they're going to separate themselves from the church and try to make it on their own. I talk to people and they say, oh yes, I'm a Christian. Really, where do you fellowship? Oh, I don't fellowship anywhere. Why not? I've just never really found a home. Never. Well, I got hurt over here, this or that. But beloved, we're called to be in it. Let me give you a news flash. If you're looking for the perfect church, Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande is not it. Okay? We're just a bunch of pilgrims on a journey ourselves. And sometimes we stumble, sometimes we fall, sometimes we make really big mistakes. And that comes from the pastor on up to the congregation, any and every one of us. But I do pray that we as a body, we together as this family, that we remain a people of grace and mercy as we continue on in our journey. News flash number two. If you ever do find the perfect church, don't join it because you would probably mess it up, okay? <laughs> Just the reality of the way things are. We're imperfect people. Newsflash number three. The truth is, is you're never going to find the perfect church in the world today. It's just not going to happen. As the old saying goes, we're not a country club for saints. We're a hospital for sinners, and we come together to encourage and to strengthen, to challenge, sometimes correct and instruct. But again, we're all in this journey together. Okay, back on track. The second thing we know about Simeon, he was a man who lived in increasing anticipation. He anticipated, just as the word says, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He believed God's word. He believed that God's promises were true. He knew that God was going to send his Redeemer, the Messiah, the Christ, according to his word, according to the promise that someday he would come. He had also received a personal word that Messiah was going to come into the world very soon. The Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, beloved, I don't care who you are, that's going to increase your anticipation. Now, particularly if you're in the third trimester of your life, uh, you're, you're pressing on from your 60s and beyond, and the Lord says, hey, before you die, the Lord's going to come back. Well, you know, okay, I, I don't have that long to go, so that could be any time. Now, if you're only, you know, in your teens or your 20s, you might say, whoo, that could be anyway. No, we don't know the number of our days, do we? So all of us ought to live our lives with that increasing anticipation. The Holy Spirit revealed to him, before you die, I'll reveal the Christ to you. And that brings me to the third aspect of Simeon's life. Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit was upon him. We don't have any knowledge of Simeon's background, uh, no knowledge of his pedigree. We, again, we don't know if he was a priest or if he was a rabbi or if he was a member of any influential family. All we know is that the Holy Spirit was upon him. And beloved, that trumps everything everything that the Holy Spirit was working and moving in his life. An uneducated, 
untalented individual moved and empowered by the Holy Spirit has greater power and greater ability to move and work for God than the man with the highest of degrees, the greatest of talents, who is not controlled and moved by the Holy Spirit. There, there, there's no inert evil with status or education or ordination or position. But without the Holy Spirit, all of these things come to naught. The Holy Spirit working and moving in his life. We don't know how old he was. But we find in the balance of this passage that Simeon was ready to depart. He was ready to go home uh, as soon as he saw the Christ child. So now the Lord God uses him to speak to Mary and into Joseph's life. In verse 27, it says that, and so he came by the Spirit into the temple. You see, that's why I don't believe that he was a priest. If he was a priest, he would have already been in the temple. But the Holy Spirit directed this individual man now on this day at this time to come into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. Now, the way that I envision this thing is Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus into the temple to present him to the priest for the blessings. And as they come in, here is Simeon. He sees them walking through the door and the Holy Spirit just quickens his heart and mind. This is the one. This is the child. This is the one that I've spoken about. And this old stately man full of the Holy Spirit and in gentleness comes and picks up this child. And it says, and he says, verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Did you notice that declaration when it says a light to bring revelation to who? The Gentiles. You see, that was God's plan all the time. God never let anyone out of his plan. It once again shows us the greatness and the width of God's redemptive offer. It's not limited, and it burdens my heart when I hear people speaking that his offer of salvation is limited to only a few. No, his offer is wide, though only a few partake of it. Being led by the Holy Spirit, Simeon came to the temple that day. He might not have had any idea what was going to happen, what was going to take place. He simply moved in obedience to the Holy Spirit's prodding. I believe that he was a man who lived in anticipation that God could and would use him as long as he was available. So when the Spirit said go, his only response would have been, what direction do you want me to go? And the Spirit says, go to the temple today. And so Simeon went to the temple. And so he came by the Spirit into the temple. And there he saw the child. He picked him up and began to bless God and speak in prophetic words of knowledge. And then in verse 33, it tells us that Joseph and his mother, and Jesus' mother, marveled at those things which were spoken of him. I don't believe that Joseph and Mary marveled so much at what Simeon said, but I do believe that they marveled that he even said them. After all, how would Simeon have known these things about this child? They were just one of a multitude of couples that had come into the temple. And here Simeon comes with this one. Once again, I believe it was the Holy Spirit revealing God's truth to this man. 
Beloved, God does that, you know. God will give that through the gifts of wisdom, through the gifts of knowledge, the gifts of prophecy. God works and moves when we are open to these things, when we are open to hear what the Spirit of God speaks to us. Now Simeon moves toward the family as a whole and particularly to Mary. And in verse 34, he declares, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through his own or through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts might be revealed. Again, these are Holy Spirit inspired words. For Simeon to look at that small infant barely over a month old and be able to proclaim the words that he did, it was a God thing. This child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. We know through history that through the message and through the ministry of Jesus, there were many who were raised up from their sin. There were many who who found the forgiveness of God in their lives. They recognized that Jesus was the Savior, the Redeemer, the Messiah, the consolation of Israel, the comfort for those who would come to him for deliverance. But most of the people during that time, just as today, they didn't receive that message. They didn't receive his ministry. They balked at his claims. They scoffed at his words. They refused to humble themselves in the sight of the one true Lord. And so they continued to fall, continued to fall victim to the consequences of their own sin and of their own rebellion. They continued to fall into eternal punishment. And beloved, that's where the world is today. You receive Christ, you will be raised because the word says that we are already dead in our trespasses and sin outside of Christ. When we come to believe and to understand and to receive the truth of God's word in our life, we are raised from that. If we continue to reject that, we continue to fall into the consequences of our sin and into that eternal punishment that the word speaks about. John, in his gospel, tells us this in the first chapter, that in him, in Christ, was life. And this life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Why? Because they didn't want to comprehend it. Because light brought a revealing of their own sin. And rather than allowing the light to reveal their sin, they again moved against the light. A little bit later, John, still in chapter 1 of the Gospel of John, says that Christ was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. Here as Simeon speaks these words, The Holy Spirit was revealing to him also the heartbreak that Mary would suffer through all of this. Can you imagine the early days of Jesus growing up, just the joy, the bliss of having this young child and then this young man? Remember, he didn't go into ministry till he was 30 years of age. So for 30 years, Mary was able to enjoy just the presence of this young man, this obedient child. What a great joy that had to be, amen? Uh, again, the, just the joy of having his presence there. But once he entered into that ministry portion of his life, She saw, I believe that she even experienced that rejection of his life by the very people that he came to save, even to the point that they crucified him. And when they did that, I believe that a sword pierced through her own soul also. Simeon lived in anticipation. 
I believe he saw the signs of his time. He looked and he anticipated the soon coming of the consolation of Israel, along with a multitude of others. Among those others was a woman named Anna. Verse 36. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Anna was a widow. She busied herself in service to the Lord through these continual prayers and fastings. Beloved, don't ever think that you've outlived your usefulness to the kingdom. Here is a woman who is 84 years of age, who probably had no other resources, lived there at the temple. And yet the greatest thing that she had to offer was a mighty and a powerful thing prayers and fasting. What do you think she was praying for? Well, at 84, she's not praying for her husband, okay? I believe that she's praying again for the redemption of her people. She's praying for that coming of the Lord, just as again, those that looked for the redemption of Israel. It says that coming that instance, she gave thanks to the Lord. We don't know for certain how much of what she heard of what Simeon spoke. I believe that very possibly she was right there, that the Holy Spirit had moved her into that same area and she heard the entire thing. I I believe we don't know for sure, but it says that she had come at that time, coming in that instant, and she gave thanks to the Lord. Once she realized who the Christ was and what was happening, she gave thanks to the Lord. And just like the shepherds before her, she couldn't keep the good news to herself. She went from there and began to share what she had seen and what she had heard to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem, all those who lived their lives in anticipation. Anna lived with anticipation of the Lord's soon arrival. Simeon lived with increased anticipation of the Lord's soon arrival. And there were others there at that time, even in the mess that the world was at that time, even in the mess that organized religion was at that time, even living under the oppression of the corrupt government of that time. They lived their lives in an anticipation that the Lord would soon fulfill his promise his promise of redemption and his promise of deliverance. So let me ask you this in closing. How do you live your life? Do you live your life overwhelmed or do you live your life with anticipation? Do you live your life in the midst of all the mess or do you live your life above the mess knowing that your Lord is soon returning and he wants to know that he finds you faithful and busy about the master's business. There's a lot to get overwhelmed with in life. I understand that. But beloved, there's a greater thing to look forward to. And that's the reality that our Savior is coming again to take his church with him and to again pour out his wrath on an unbelieving world. I want to be on that first group, okay? I want to be on the first train, okay? That's where I want to be. And that's where I want to find you, that you know Christ, you're living for Christ, and you're living your life 
with anticipation. Learning more about Jesus is the single most important thing we can do as Christians. As we carefully consider how Jesus lived, we see beautiful examples that can apply to our lives. Though the entire Bible is rich with symbols and images that point to Jesus, the Gospels are grand central station for who Jesus is. Join us each day as Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's word from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe you're listening right now in Casa Grande and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. at 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday and Saturday. For more information, call us at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Or log on to theopenword.com and follow the link to the church website. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.